Hello everyone and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass, and I'm by myself again. Uh, I did have a co-host lined up for this week. Unfortunately, they are feeling a little under the weather, so I'm just going to go at it solo again here. Uh, no what you've been watching segment this week. Uh, nothing too interesting. I've been not watching a lot actually lately. Uh, so nothing really to talk about, I guess you could say. I didn't I go to the movies not that long ago? No, that was Wakanda Forever. Okay. Um, moving on. Fantasy hockey. Let's start there. Uh, big pool. Big Sunday win in the big pool. Uh, I am now in fifth place after a 6-3 victory this week. Uh, thanks in part to <clears throat> Mr. Semyon Varlamov, who had a Sunday shutout. Um, which helped me win both the shutout category, uh, helped me tie wins because I only had one last week, <laughs> uh, and got me the goals against average uh, category. Uh, and then I had a pretty decent offensive week, though he had also a very good offensive week, uh, so that was pretty close. Um, we actually tied in power play points, um, but I still had a few more hits than him. Uh, shout out to uh, both Keandre Miller and Marcus Foligno, uh, I guess the latter who had 14 hits and the former who had 12 hits. Um, they're not, that's not an official fantasy shout out. I'm not at that segment yet, but that's just a kind of personal one here. Since I'm scrolling down here at the week and noticing that those numbers jumped out at me. Uh, okay, so I'm in fifth place in that pool. Let's see where that places me inside of my division here since there is only two. Uh, I am now only 15 points back of first place overall and six points back of first in my division, uh, which is pretty good. So that's all right. And one team has also changed their name to everything for sale snowman. Not sure what the snowman means. Might have to get some clarification on the snowman. Let's, you know what? Live on the podcast here before we leave the big pool. Let's click on this roster and see if there's anything I want to trade for or would be interested in. Because I know that he listens to the podcast. So let's see. I'm not going to negotiate live on air or anything or even offer. But you know what? There are some interesting parties here. Um, hit me up. Let's talk. Let's see what what you're thinking here. I got some guys. You got some guys. Maybe we can make something happen. Ooh, I see one very specific player that I would be interested in, potentially, to help with a certain problem I have. Ooh, two potential players that I would be interested in for a certain problem I have. Okay, yep. Let's talk. Uh, team everything for sale. <clears throat> okay, over to... The points pool, fortunately, not a win there this week. Uh, lost by nine and change, nine point and change uh, fantasy points here. Um, so I am in sixth place, which is I'm five hundred four and four. Uh, sixth place being the final playoff spot. Uh, and if we look over here at the standings, uh, Tyler is now three and five, but has lost a points tiebreaker, so he is in eighth. Um, 
and one team has battled back from a one and five start and is now three and five. So shout out to that team for now being tied with Tyler. Um, but we also have a one and seven down there. A couple six and twos at the top. So not insane separation yet, I guess. So we'll see how that goes. I like to generally sort it by total points. I feel like that's a better estimation because there's usually a couple flukes in there. Um, but yeah, so lost there. Um, and we move on. Auction pool. Uh, tight win here. Almost got Sundayed by Varley in this pool, um, which would have been unfortunate. Um, but I pulled off a 5-4 win in the auction pool, which keeps me in a playoff spot, though I am below 500 in my, I guess you could say, win-loss record. Good offensive week here. Bad goaltending week. Um, we'll get to that in the poo-poo performer, um, why I had a particularly bad goaltending week. Um, I also did pick up Corpusalo on Sunday for hopefully an extra start and maybe some perifs, and I got he got shelled. Um, at one point, I noticed that game, I think, was 3-2 Detroit in the third period, and there was about 10 minutes left or something like that. So I was like, oh, I'll flip this on and just see what happens here. And I flipped it on, and Detroit basically, well, Andrew Kopp specifically, immediately scored from basically below the goal line over Corpusallo's shoulder to make it 5-3, and I promptly turned it back off. Um, but I did manage to pull off a small victory 5-4 here in categories, uh, but that's not helping too much because um, I'm losing big but winning small, which is tough in a categories pool. Okay. Fantasy shoutouts, since I'm going to keep doing this um, before we do the general poo-poo performer and super-duper star here. Um, I have Mr. Kevin Fiala from my auction team. One goal, five assists, plus three, two power play points, ten shots on goal, and three hits. Nice. Uh, from an opponent's team, uh, shout-out to Zach Hyman, who had seven assists, plus five, two power play points, 18 shots on goal, and four hits. It's nice little work there. Uh, and then we have uh, a guy who I keep mentioning every week but has been absolutely on fire since I got him on waivers uh, in the points pool, and that's Mr. Jeff Skinner. Had three goals, three assists, plus two, three power play points, 18 shots on goal, seven face-off wins, one hit, and two blocks. Uh, we also have Yoel Eriksson-Eck, who had a five-point week uh, with 30 face-off wins, uh, which do matter in points pool. Uh, so he almost had as many fantasy points as Jeff Skinner, uh, despite having a negative plus-minus, um, and less shots on goal, and one less assist, and yeah, those face-off wins do add up. Uh, and then my opponent, uh, unfortunately, in the points pool had Leon Dreisaitl, who had um, 10 points, plus 6, 3 power play points, 2 game-winning goals, 14 shots on goal, 32 face-off wins, 2 hits, and 1 block. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, he almost had as many fantasy points as Skinner and Eriksson at combined, uh, which is not great when you're facing him. Okay, so poo-poo performer of the week... A guy that I am owned in two pools. Unfortunate first round pick and points pool, but at the time I felt like he was the best option. He was not. <laughs> well, in hindsight, I'd have to look at that draft again. Maybe I had it a second. I maybe somebody else I could have snagged there. Who knows? But uh, Mr. Sergey Bobrovsky, who was a negative 
fantasy point player for me in the points pool. Minus 2.2, which is not great. Uh, And I only lost by, what, 10, 9 fantasy points. So if he's even a plus, you know, that's, yeah, that, him having one win this week might have got me a solid shot at winning. Uh, He played one game and he allowed six goals on 17 or 23 shots. So not great. I also have him in the auction pool, which is why I lost goalie peripherals in that pool. Also, uh, super duper star of the week. Okay, here we go. Uh, The best value dollar player from at least one of the better value dollar players from the initial draft in the auction pool that I was able to get. And that is Rupe Hints. Three goals, three assists, plus four, one power play point, and six shots on goal. Uh, in his hat trick, he had a hat trick in a game, and he only had three shots on net, which <laughs> I think is one hilarious and uh, two pretty amazing. I didn't see any of the goals, so I don't know. I'm assuming he banged it, but if he sniped all those, that is even more funny that he basically had a 100% shooting percentage. I wonder if he finished that game with three shots. I feel like he did. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up right now. Uh, okay, so... There was a trade. I'm going to close some windows here while I vamp for myself. Uh, there was a trade in the auction pool that set the group chat uh, a flutter, if you will. Uh, and it was between former co-host Tyler and former guest co-host Frazier. Uh, and I'm going to read out the trade. And since this was such a contra- quote-unquote controversial or confusing, I guess maybe would be a better word for it, trade, uh, in the auction pool, I asked both of them to provide me with a statement. Um, so I will basically tell you what the trade is. I will read both of their statements. And then I will give some type of analysis, I guess, for what I feel about this trade. So the trade is as follows. Tyler Wood received or received Connor Garland and Andre Vasilevsky. I think I've heard of that second guy. Uh, Frazier received Dylan Cousins and Mark Stone. Okay. Just going to leave that out there. And I'm going to try and remember where I put. Oh, Tyler's statement. Okay, this is from Tyler. I desperately need goaltending if I'm going to turn around my team this season. I've been losing goalie cats each week and need another go-to starter to pair with MAF, uh, which is Marc-Andre Fleury. In Stone, I'm giving up a really good player on an expiring deal so it doesn't hurt me too much in the long term. Cousins was a one-day pickup spot start and I've already dropped Garland. My offense is still pretty solid most weeks. Okay, so if he picked up Cousins off waivers, that means that his contract value would be either $5 a year for two years, or it would be whatever he was drafted at this year. And I am not, you know what, let's see if I can quickly grab, I haven't read Frazier's statement yet, but now I'm already doing stuff that I said I wasn't going to draft results. Oh man, now I have to look for... Oh, I bet you I can Cousins said that should do it. And he wasn't drafted this year. 
So he would be a $5 signing, but he was on waivers. So basically he, I mean, hmm. Okay, Frazier's statement. Let's find it here because it is very much longer. Okay, he sent me a PDF. I should have maybe specified that I only wanted a sentence or a paragraph at most. Um, but I will read his whole statement here, which is a PDF statement with a bold title. Uh, and he also put his team logo on it. <laughs> so respect the game there. Um, okay, phrase fury statement on trade with whimsical strangers. Despite the uproar from the chattering classes and so-called pundits, Officials with the Fury stand by their decision to move on from Andre, Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Garland. The Fury thank both players for their service and wish them the best on their future endeavors. Despite the projected optimism for this season, fourth best draft according to Yahoo, the Fury season has started off in a decidedly negative direction. Winless through seven weeks, last in goal scored, fourth last in assists, Fifth last in plus minus, last in power play points, last in shots, second last in hits. With a third of the fantasy regular season done, net values of Stone and Cousins are projected to be 35 goals and 60 assists, plus peripherals over the rest of the season. An offensive kickstart that the Fury need. Even moving on from the projected production of Garland sees significant upside and both Stone and Cousins have already begun producing for the team while Garland as subsequently has been released. Although Vasilevsky was a key asset with three starting goalies, the Fury are putting trust in them with a loss of productivity will not hurt the overall competitiveness. As we are one-third of the way through the season, the upside value of a goaltender declines as the season continues. Tampa Bay has the fifth hardest strength of schedule for the rest of the season, with the Leafs have the 19th, Seattle 21st, and Dallas 28th. So despite Vasilevsky's undeniable talent, the potential upside from the other goalies over the remainder of the season is there. As he was scheduled to be UFA at the end of the season and with no option to re-sign, the long-term value is non-existent and the option for him to return to the Fury is absolutely on the table. Finally, as this is a very deep draft, positioning the Fury to win consultation tournament for the modest value of the first-round pick isn't a bad thing should playoffs not be in the cards. So that was Fury. Okay. Fine reasoning. It's You're allowed. That's solid. You've done your homework. You've done more... I feel like more research than some current NHL GMs do uh, before they make a trade. But I would say that as you called him a key asset in Vasilevsky, given the fact that we actually have a very active group chat in that auction pool, I think it was a disservice to your team to not shop him around in some way. Because I personally would have been very interested in a Andre Vasilevsky. And I definitely have some pieces that short and long term probably would have fit some needs for you, given that my offense is one of the better offenses, I believe, in the pool this year. Um, but hey, you do you. You make your trades. It still doesn't necessarily bother me. I mean, Tyler getting a what I would call a pretty big win for his team isn't great from my perspective, I guess you could say. But other than that, I mean, I've seen worse trades. I really wanted, well, I was hoping to have a co-host this week that wasn't in this pool, 
um, that could help me, or at least I could get their perspective on it. But hey, it doesn't always work out that way. Okay, uh, we're going to move on from fantasy. Well, kind of. Um, so the main segment of this episode for this or the main theme for this week will be by the numbers. Uh, I have some numbers I have picked out that will lead me to some topics. And I'm just going to kind of go through them here. Um, I'm basically going to go through, I think I'll be able to get through all these. Um, and well, in this podcast, I, I'm, yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. 889. So what is 889? 889 is the current save percentage of Jacob Markstrom after 17 games started. Not great. Calgary, definitely, you could say, underperforming so far this year. Um, they made those big deals in the offseason, brought Kadri in on that big contract, traded away Kachuk and brought in Huberto and Wegar. It seems to be going just fine for Kachuk in Florida right now. But things in Calgary haven't quite meshed yet. Huberto's not necessarily having a great season, and Markstrom having statistically... The worst, for sure, the worst save percentage since he's become a starter um, is not helping at all. And we know what Sutter's like, so Vladar has started a few games in a row here, and he will start tonight against Phoenix as I'm recording this. And why that is relevant is because I also attempted last minute to see if Tyler would come on the podcast because uh, we he recently realized that uh, last night I put in a waiver claim for Dan Vladar in the points pool where he owns Jacob Markstrom and has been very frustrated with him. Uh, and I was looking to grab an extra goalie for this week and I noticed that Vladar was available and I thought in my head, that's weird because Markstrom's been struggling and if your starter is struggling, especially one on a really good team or a better team, you probably want to try and grab that back up before somebody else can snake him on you. Uh, so when Tyler texted me a string of text messages saying, I can't believe you picked up Vidar, I'm livid, uh, I basically said that's Fantasy 101, bro. You got to grab the backup when the starter's struggling. And uh, he was, let's just say, he was not happy with my text message. Uh, so I, okay. So since he was become a starter in Vancouver, his first 60-game season... 912, 912, 918, uh, 904 is first year in Calgary, then 922 last year in 880. Like this 889 is going to, he's going to probably go on Fuego at some point this season for 10 to 15 games in a row. He's at a minus seven goals saved above expected. Uh, last year he was at a 26 above goals saved above expected. He was a minus four the first year, 11, like, He's generally pretty solid in that category also. Um, could it last all year? I mean, it could. It could. You don't know. This is a this is a guy that a lot of people probably put tons of fit. He was one of the highest rated goalies on the board this year going into the year. That was exactly... Tyler took him with his first overall pick in a year where there was nobody, unfortunately, rookie-wise, that he would want to take. Like, this guy was second in Vezina voting last year. This guy was supposed to be a slam-dunk lock to at least win 25 games or more. Well, probably more. Probably more like 32, 35. 
and be 915, 920. I know save percentages are kind of down across the board, but like he he dropped almost 30 points here. Like that's a lot. So I I mean I fortunately don't own him in any pools this year. So I don't have to currently worry about what to do with Jacob Markstrom. But if you are a Jacob Markstrom owner, you might want to grab Ladar because he might get a little run here while Jacob gets a little reset. And it might only be four or five games, but that could cost you a week if you're really relying on him uh, as a goaltender. Okay, 2,947 hits by Luke Shen in his NHL career. He is now the leader in career NHL hits, at least since the statistic was counted, uh, which honestly isn't that long ago since he passed Brooke Orpik. Um, but, I mean, good for Luke Shen, a guy who was a highly touted pick uh, in well by the Maple Leafs, um, probably brought in a little too early into his career, um, has bounced around a bit, almost out of the game at one point, and has somehow become well not somehow but has become an effective defenseman again so good for him uh i mean <laughs> that's just such a weird he's gonna have three thousand hits i would assume by the end of the year probably like he had a six hit night just to break the record so he's just gonna go out there and bang and bang and bang and bang and not a lot of guys do that anymore like he will probably lead the NHL in hits this year if he stays healthy and plays the minutes he has been playing, um, which would, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, but that would be pretty funny. So if you're in a deep fantasy, maybe, I mean, plus minus is probably hurting, I would assume, given the team he's on. Um, but, I mean, if you need a spot start and hits are low, then he would probably be a guy to grab. Okay, 403. Uh, that is how many goals Alex Ovechkin has scored away from home. I don't exactly know how many of those I've actually seen him score live. I can't remember. I should have looked that up now that I think about it. But I have seen him play in Columbus, Buffalo, and Toronto. Um, I think it was his rookie season in Toronto because I do remember they had those old-style Eagle, Screaming Eagle Capitals jerseys that I detested so much back then. I still don't like on that. I don't. I don't know. I like those red and blues. Um, always been my thing. So that's 403 of his 793 career goals are away from home. Uh, Gretzky obviously holds the goal record with 894. But that means that Alex Ovechkin has taken one of Gretzky's goal records away. Career goal records away. Which is pretty cool. Um, one of my favorite players of his era to watch. 100%. Um, maybe not a biggest is politics but uh i really do like i've said on this podcast i really do hope he breaks gretzky's goal records i think that is good for the sport uh in a lot of ways um well i'm sure somebody would have actually a question breaking gretzky's okay um i just i don't know i i just hope that like 20 years from now like every single like Gretzky's still not the record holder and all this stuff still like we need to at some point have another actual Gretzky um that would be pretty cool um and thankfully I guess we didn't have to go through a steroid era at least not knowingly um so we don't have the whole baseball split where records were made by people that they yeah that's a whole other thing 
Um, but there we go. 403 career goals away from home for Alex Ovechkin, breaking Gretzky's record. Next up, we have 9-8. to eight. Uh, nine to eight is the Kings versus Kraken game that went as follows: three uh, three after the first, five three Kraken after the second, or sorry, no, eight six. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Okay, three three after the first, eight six for the Kraken after the second. The Kings pot two in the third to tie it up, and then the Kraken win it in overtime. On a game or a power play goal by Burakovsky, um, 9-8. Not a lot of those games in the NHL anymore. Uh, so let's break down some... Let's let's do some little breakdowns on the game here. Fiala and Everly, from a fantasy perspective, have the biggest games you could argue. They both have four assist games. Uh, there's not a single... Okay, this was a 9-8 game and nobody got a hat trick. Which is, uh, to me, just feels wrong almost um the kings only had one guy one player even get two goals um it looks like it was very spread around like mccann had two burkowski had two including the winner a uh, few guys had wenberg had three points dowdy had three points schultz had three points larson was a minus four wenberg was a minus three with three points which like is that considered breaking even I guess depending on um, whether those points are on the... Well, I guess, yeah, if you're still putting it in the net, it still means that the goal you let in is evened out somehow. Um, The highest plus was a plus three. Dash four from Larson was the... Oh, no, Kopitar was a plus four, and so was Fiala. So fantasy-wise, Fiala, four assists, plus four, four shots. Uh, Kopitar and Kempe both had one and one. And then four shots each so like for a 9-8 game nothing Trevor Moore had seven hits I mean that's something I guess he also was a minus two which is probably why he was hitting guys because he didn't have the puck uh five from Alexiak yeah I mean Martin Jones obviously 771 save percentage but the win uh let in eight let in eight goals but still got to get the win and stay in the whole game uh Goals against matter in points pool as far as getting negative goal, like negative points. So he finished, I think, with a four, four point something fantasy win for a goalie, which is, is, has to be one of the lowest we've ever had. Um, because it's based partially on how many saves you have against how many goals you let in, plus the points for a win. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it's pretty funny to see, but hey. Better than being a minus 2.2 like Bob was for a whole week. Uh, but yeah, pretty weirdly pedestrian fantasy hockey game there from a 9-8 game perspective, you could say. Okay, zero. That's how many NHL games Alex Formenton will be playing this year uh, because the Ottawa Senators did not sign the RFA to a contract, which means that he is not allowed to play this season. Um, if you have been following it, he is, um, you could say, the center of the allegations um, in one of the World Junior situations. Uh, obviously, nothing's been proven yet, um, but he is one of the players suspected to be involved 
uh, you could say, by the internet community. So the fact that he wasn't signed to a contract is not necessarily surprising to me because I feel like he will not be again signed to a contract until all of this plays itself out. Um, if he is convicted, will he... So I would hope not. I mean, absolutely not. Um, if it is one of those situations where there is maybe enough in the court of, let's just say, in the court of public opinion, they could, hmm, let's just say most people would assume he's guilty, but legally he was not considered guilty. Let's just say that way. Would he be a, would he sign it? Like, would a team sign him or the senators, for that matter, sign him? Um, I don't know, actually, with the NHL. I don't know at that point. He's not that, like, he's not some can't-miss top. But, I mean, there was the whole Mitchell, yeah. There's been enough weird things where guys have been signed that probably shouldn't have been signed. They probably didn't deserve. But, yeah, we're not going to get into that whole stuff again. Um, but he's not playing this year, so that's, that's fine. He's probably got a lot of other stuff on his plate currently. Uh, okay. 3.875 thousand million. As I like to say, what is that? That is Cal Peterson's cap hit. Because he was put on waivers by the Los Angeles Kings, um, the one year into his... $3.875 $3.875 million contract that he recently signed, which has a modified no-trade clause. Will it tell me what it is if I highlight over it? It is a 10-team no-trade that the player submits, so assuming he submitted it, as we've learned before, uh, he can't be traded. I don't think he has any trade value right now. His stats have been awful this year. They were fine last year. I would assume based on the contract that he was given, one, um, a lot of other players would love to thank you for this contract and your agent, uh, Jack Campbell, for one, uh, given how his season's going over in Edmonton this year and the money he's being paid, uh, which was probably purely based on the fact that you got this kind of money for your track record, which wasn't very big. And honestly, not like above average or amazing or anything. Uh, Also... Uh, this week's episode's beer is a TWB Odie McOatface oatmeal stout. Uh, pretty good. I can only drink one beer show now when I do them by myself. It's, I can't, I don't have as many drink breaks. I'm forcing myself to have them so my mouth doesn't get too dry. So that was a drink break. Courtesy of TW, well, they're not a sponsor. Uh, okay, Cal Peterson, bad this year on waivers. Nobody claimed him. Uh, he'll be playing some time in the minors. Quick will 36 year old Jonathan Quick is now the starter of a team that made the playoffs last year uh, and had designs to, you could argue, not only make the playoffs this year, but maybe be a little better. And you could, some of their forward group has taken it, like Dursey looks good this year. Um, Trevor Moore, once again, is having a solid season. Weirdly, I forget what team those players were on before don't hmm i don't know it's not coming to me if only there was somebody else in this podcast to maybe remind me what team those two guys came from hmm don't know probably from a team where the gm can't can't draft anyone that's probably it uh but decent like you know doughty's being doughty fiel has been a solid pickup for them 
Dano has been fine, I guess. I don't know. I This is one of those times where I wish Tyler was here and I could be like, this guy's been fine. And Tyler would be like, oh, he's actually been shit. Um, but I know that Dano Iverson more line has been pretty decent this year. They also have Carl Grundstrom on the lower roster. I wonder what team he came from. Uh, Arthi Kaliev has basically, as I talked about last week, scoring on the power play at will for some reason. Uh, and Samuel Fajimo got called up and scored in a game. So maybe some of their young prospects will finally start paying off for this team. Who knows? Um, and if you want to know who they called up to be a backup, it's good old Phoenix Copley, uh, who is now with the Kings. <laughs> After jumping around a bit for a while now. Um, it's still weird he spells Phoenix, but that's fine. You're allowed to spell it the way you want to spell it. Uh, yeah. So w I also looking up the cap friendly, I realized that there's a dead cap hit for Mike Richards still on the Kings cap for like four or five more years. It's under a million. It's like nine this year, seven, seven, six, six, six. Like it's not, it's not crazy, but I didn't. I, that's probably one of those things that I it's not that I didn't realize I probably we've looked at this before and I mentioned it but it I probably just forgot about it um so what's gonna go on with that goaltending situation I don't have any insight there obviously Jonathan quick is a UFA after this year and you have to think at this point if he wants to they're gonna have to bring him back or they're gonna have to rethink what they want to do with their goaltending in the future because this is a team that obviously has designs on not only getting better but potentially making another cup run here with the Doughty and Kopitar still being around, a la the Pittsburgh Penguins. So they're not going to be able to do that with – probably not going to be able to do that with Jonathan Quick starting, but who knows. Um, you never know, I guess. Okay. 6.65 thousand million. Whose cap hit is that, I wonder? Hmm, whose cap hit is that? Is Mr. Brock Besser's cap hit. Ooh, tough. Uh, wait, what? Did I read that wrong? No, I didn't. Never mind, that was his previous contract. So, two more years after this one. Uh, thankfully, he doesn't have... Oh, clause details. Starting July 1st, 2024, the player submits a 10-team no-trade list. So that's not... They still have another year to trade him. He has four goals, 11 assists, and is a minus 13 in 19 games this year for a clearly struggling Vancouver Canucks team. Uh, you could argue that he should have been traded last year before he re-signed this contract that you don't now kind of want him on. You also have a lame duck coach that's fighting not only for his job, but to stay relevant in the NHL um, after being away for a few years. And you might think that this is probably his last shot or potentially his last shot at being at least a head coach again. Um, so he's going to do whatever he wants. He's not going to care about what guys make next year, this year, any year. If you can't play, he's not going to play you. Um, and Brock Besser, I would argue, is a glorified Mike Hoffman. Like he, His career high in goals is 29, so he's never had a 30-goal season. His career high in points is 56. What... He's been a minus player. He's like a career minus 20. Okay, we can't. But it does at least reflect you in some way. 
Um, he's only been a plus player one season. And that wasn't like the year he had the most points in his... Well, it might be the most points per game. In 57 games, he had 45 points, but only 16 goals. Like, for to me, in my head, Brock Besser was like a 35-goal man for some reason. Like, I'm very actually kind of surprised that he hasn't at least had one 30-goal season. Now, he did have 29 goals in 62 games, so if you play 82, you're probably getting 30 there. But another thing to point out, like, He's never played an 82-game season. His career high in games played in a year is 71. And he only had 46 points, and that was last year. Vancouver, why do you continually sign guys after peak seasons? That's the opposite of what you're supposed to do. That's when you're supposed to be like, are we winning the cup next year? No. Are we winning it the year after? No. Okay, bye. You're done. Like, look at... It's pretty easy to figure out what your roster is going to be in two years and be like, uh, don't do the anything can happen shit. Don't. You have an NHL team with million dollars of payroll. And you're just going to be like, well, if all this works out, like you can't, how do you even justify that in your head when you have that much money at stake and that much everything at stake? You're just like, well, if this breaks right and that breaks right, this will all, so we should do it. Like, come on, what are you doing here? Vancouver made so many, oh, I can't. This Vancouver team feels like peak bad Leafs teams that I talked about last week. Like, there's a few guys... Now, I would argue that maybe some of the... There's some talent on this Canucks roster that is far superior to some of the garbage that was on, or even the upper-tier, quote-unquote, talent was on those... Okay, fine. Like, there are some pieces here. I'm not saying you have to blow the whole thing up. But they let Jim Benning stay around for too long. The ownership... I don't I don't even know if they have... Like... Did, are they not allowing a rebuild or are they, I don't, because this team needed a teardown. You could keep Demko, keep Pedersen, keep Hughes, obviously. To me, everything else after that, like as far as anyone that was over the age of 25, gone by, never should have made that OEL deal. That was, I obviously panned it at the time. It's still a terrible, terrible, awful deal that never should have happened. This team's in a weird spot. They're in a bad spot. They're in a spot that they dug themselves. This isn't This isn't even the previous regime signing. Like, Patrick Alvin signed this contract. I thought when they brought Jer- like Jim Rutherford in to run this front office, he was going to settle. It's been so dysfunctional. So dysfunctional. From him not wanting Boudreaux to be his coach and then apparently realizing he was his coach for another year. Like, so dysfunctional. And they can't fire Boudreaux because the ownership probably doesn't want to pay another coach to come in. And even then, who do you bring in? Because what is your team? That's a big thing. You can't just fire a coach and... you Okay, in a lost season, firing a coach is easy. You fire the guy, you bring in a caretaker, essentially. You get through the end of the season. If that guy shows any kind of a spark, maybe he gets another shot. If you're a team that thinks you're actually good and you have to fire a coach, that's totally different ballgame. You got to pay a guy. You can't just get anyone. So you're probably going to have to give up money. If you're firing somebody, you're probably giving that person money. They're also still paying Travis Green. So you can't pay $10 million to three different coaches to have uh, be an eighth place team. Like that's in, I don't even think that's a good. Well, first of all, I don't think you should be trying. I think you should bring in 
whoever here if you don't think Boudreaux's a guy and just let it run out the course for the rest of the season and then regroup in the offseason and be like, sit down and have a real honest conversation. But while you're going, you need to ship as much, like Bo Horvat, you need to, boom, do it. Get rid of him. Whatever you can get. And he's the one guy that you should have actually signed. He is, to me, honestly, the one guy that you should have actually signed and kept around. And if you do sign him, you're you're just doubling down on your mistakes. You're doubling down on them. Because your defense is not good enough. You might have an okay offense, or at least a top six. You obviously have a, an elite goalie when he is on his game. But you do not have a defense. You have a Quinn Hughes, that's it. Like, there's nothing back there. Like, we just talked about Luke Shen. Like, he's playing in your top four. That's not good. Can't do that. Can't do that. Expect to be a playoff team. He's a Tampa woman. Yeah, they won. he was playing, like, probably 10 minutes a night there. Come on. That's totally different. He was just a guy. He was just like, he was just like, don't like break even while you're on the ice, please. And hit some guys, maybe, you know, make them know that you're out there or whatever. But that's okay. Last number here. Well, maybe two numbers. So we have, so this is going to be a twofer, actually. We're going to do two different numbers here, and then we're going to talk about why these numbers are being talked about together, and this is going to be the end of the podcast. Um, well, should I? No, nah, we're not going to do that this week. We'll shout it out if I remember, which I probably won't. Let's do it now. Uh, shout out Mitch Marner for setting the Leafs consecutive point streak. It's not the NHL record. It's nice that he has the Leaf one now. Um, he will go down if he stays there and is one of the best Leafs in history for sure. I'm not going to do a big rant about the Leafs this week, this quick Leaf talk, because it is relevant to the numbers. But it is very sad that... <laughs> Actually, it's cool, but it's also sad that between Matthews and Marner, I'm probably going to see two of the greatest, assuming they stay, greatest Leafs that have ever been on the team they will probably win more awards than anyone I've ever seen win on this team, and it will probably stay that way, period. Like, will there ever be in my lifetime another Marner Matthews, Nylander, Riley core here that I can watch grow to, and I don't know. But anyways, so moving on to the last two numbers of the night. 1,868. So 1,000 is how many career points Steven Stamkos now has. And 868 is how many career points Corey Perry has. And why is this relevant and why am I tying them together? Well, they're kind of similar-ish ages. Perry's obviously older. You're going to go, Perry's like four years older. Yeah, but whatever. They're all like kind of era-ish, I would call them. Or at least they've played like 12. Corey Perry's played 1,200 games. Stamkos has played, because I have it up here, 946, 15 seasons in the NHL. Corey Perry has 18 years. So he's three seasons longer, which really, that's not a ton. So they're of the same era, I'm going to call them. And I saw this tweet, I think it was, and I don't even, it's not. I don't even see who, there's no watermark or any, I don't know who to attribute this to. It is a graphic 
but there's no watermarking of the company or whoever, so whatever. But it basically said, Corey Perry, is he a Hall of Famer, 2007 Stanley Cup champion, 1,200 games played, 868 career points. Why did this set me off? Well, because first of all, I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and you might say, Adam, what the, what the fuck? Corey Perry has a Hart Trophy and a Rocket Richard, and he's been voted first team All-Star twice. Okay, great. Awesome. He also has a 50-goal season. Cool. Good for him. Uh, Steven Stamkos has two Rocket Richards. He finished second in Hart voting. Uh, he has seasons of 51 and 60 goals. He also has a 43-goal season and a 45-goal season and a 42-goal season. Uh, Corey Perry had a 50-goal season and one other 40-goal season. That's it. He has four. Corey Perry has 408 career goals in 1,200 games. Steven Scamacost has almost 500 goals in 946 career games. To me, Steven Stamkos is an absolute slam dunk Hall of Famer. Like, there is no doubt. Two time, two cups, two Rock Richards, two times All-Star. He has a 60-goal season, which to me alone should put him in the conversation. He has a 100-point season, which was last year, which is insanity. He has three other 90-point seasons, four other 90-point seasons. Like, he has a 98 and a 97-point season. Corey Perry has, let's see, one 90-point season and one 80-point season. Like, this isn't even the fact that, why is he even being considered for the Hall of Fame? Because he won in a heart trope. Like, so what, should Jose Theodore be in the friggin' Hall of Fame because he won one heart trophy? Like, Taylor Hall should be in the Hall of Fame because he won a heart trophy? This is, that's... Okay, maybe it was meant because it is a debate, but I, I know he'll get in. Like, I'm pretty much, if you said, oh, Corey Perry, will Corey Perry get into the Hall of Fame? Like, to me, he's a slam dunk, and him and Getzloff will probably go in together because that's just how it's going to go. Um, and I'm sure Tyler will be super mad that both of them are getting in, and I will basically agree with him. But if I had to pick one of them, like, to me, since he does have the Hart Trophy, like, I would have I would put Corey Perry in over him. Uh, but yeah, to me, Stamco slam dunk. Corey Perry shouldn't get in, but probably will. I saw the statistical argument coming up for J Joe Pavelski, especially if he has another season or two like this. Um, I, I mean, as an American player, he's definitely one of the best of all time. As a hockey player, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame worthy. I don't know, man. I don't know if there was ever one season where I was like, Joe Pavelski's the best player at the NHL or even one of the top three best players. I don't think so. Um, we're really stretching things with all the fame. All right. I don't know how long I went. I forgot to keep track. I think it's a little bit shorter than I usually go, but who knows? Um, but that'll be the podcast for this week. Uh, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.